It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Log Talk Radio. Thank you so much for inviting me, and we've always had a very intense 
um, passionate, fun discussion. So it's so great to be back. Thank you for having me back. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you. And uh, we're actually planning a show um, so far is scheduled for the 19th of September where we're going to be talking about the oppression of the African phenotype. And we'll talk a little bit about that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll a little we'll, bit on that today, but we didn't yeah. agree <laughs> yeah, that so, that is a topic that deserves its own time, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we're going to kind of touch on it a little bit. Maybe we'll plug our uh, plug our special episode <laughs> during that uh, segment. Um, next, we have our another special uh, guest, another panelist. Um, he's a community activist and a music producer. And let me just tell you, he's Stay schooling people on my Facebook page. Seriously, I appreciate him very much. Doxon, what's up? What's up, sister? Can you hear me? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Thank you for having me, Vita. It's always a pleasure to be on your show, really. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure to have you on. And you were on the last show, so I thank you for yes. that. I do appreciate it. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Again, uh, to be in the presence of you and Emmeline and talking about these issues, you know, it's, right now I'm sitting back chilling. The kids are in bed. I'm lounging. So there's nothing I'd rather be doing right now. Oh, wow. I appreciate that. <laughs> Later on in the show, we will be joined by MC Brooks, who, like Emmeline, is also a Black Feet Thinkers radio host. He hosts The Breakbeat, and he also has a show coming up where he's going to be talking about racism and sexism in the otaku community. I'm not familiar with that community, so I'll let him talk about it when he gets, joins us a little bit later. Um, we have so much to talk about, and we have we don't have that much time. We have like about two hours, a little bit less really, if you include some of the music. And by the way, I have some great new music from Grand Unified Theory, my collective that I love. Love you guys. And I got some music from them. We're going to play a little bit of them actually right now. We'll take a quick break. Get you guys on the line, get you guys in the chat room, and we're going to start the discussion with our first news topic. I know you guys want to talk about Tyler Perry laying hands on Bishop T.D. Jakes. Oh, and <laughs> I'm just going to wait. Dude, I'm going to wait until after the break. That, but I cannot wait to hear what other people have to say. Oh, yeah. I'm excited, too. And um, so I see some people are already in the queue, and I'm going to get to you guys when we open up that segment. But right now, let's take our quick break and see if we can get some people ready to be on the line, because I know some people are itching to get on, and I want to make sure that, you know, everyone gets that opportunity. So right now, let's listen to Tombstone the Dead Man, 1%. So apparently, there are two sets of rules for the people in this country. One set for the ultra-wealthy and the other set for the average citizen. Because the shit they got away with, if we'd have done its equivalent, they'd have locked our asses up. I don't believe the malarkies we by the oligarchy As if you're rich and I'm poor Then it makes a fool of mind I also love the way they scream out class warfare The moment that we know this shit Taking way more than your share These politicians always playing down your influence Thinking that I'm stupid But truth is I'm seeing right through it These mobile masters of the universe The Lord know the resources Leaving the rest of us with no resources Why I wonder here you talk about a class war Until they see us mad enough to ratchet up a great job Until the savages start ravaging your palaces And greet you in the street and beat your ass and take your until that happens, all the distance on the conversation Remember your station's predicated on the people's patience And their decision to wallow in all their ignorance And pacify themselves with distractions so they don't give a shit Hey stupid, you really think they care about you? You think they shed a single tear inside their deal without you? Hey stupid, I think you're lacking common sense You're only really here to benefit the 1% 
hey, stupid. That's right, you said that you ignore them. But that don't matter, cause you still be bending over for them. Hey, stupid, you might want an investigation and find out how they always killing you with legislation. The middle class is so violently getting smashed. Body body politicians bend over to kiss the ass. But they corporate masses, those bastards spend a lot of millions. Sometimes a picture of them twirling in mustaches like villains. I'm not feeling the optics of the sick, demented scenario. Outsourcing occupations disrupt all the cash flow. It's probably a fact that none of y'all are coming back. Financially trapped while the wealthy count all their money stacks. What kind of businessman is money on the campaign? Unless they just invested on some shit they plan to maintain. No need to imagine to go invent conspiracies to make the observations on some shit that we can clearly see. Fuck all that patriotic rhetoric they see to you. Really take a look at the current system that's bleeding you. The people that cheated were classified too big to fail. And all of you got mad, but not one of them fuckers went to jail. Got hey, stupid. You really think they care about you? You think they shed a single tear inside their head without you? Hey, stupid. I think you're lacking common sense. You're only really here to benefit to 1%. Hey, stupid. That's right, you said that you ignore them. That don't matter, because you still be bending over for them. Hey, stupid. You might want an investigation and find out how they are killing you with legislation. just heard Tombstone the Dead Man 1%. He said, look at the current system that's bleeding you. I like that, and that's what we need to do. And we're going to talk a little bit about that system in this show. His track is available on his EP, Death Lives. His, this song that you just heard, 1%, was his take on how the political environment has been looking for the past couple of decades. And y'all can get his albums on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Bandcamp. He gets his hustle on. So make sure that you check him out. He's uh, also part of my Grand Unified Theory Collective. Um, so shout out to him and shout out to, again, to Grand Unified. So um, first, well, before we even get to the topics, I kind of want to get to some of the rules of the discussion. We'll probably go over it again as more people get on the line. Um, before we even get to the discussion, let's keep some, make some things clear. Number one, I'm the host. That's something that I think people forget sometimes on the show. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to say that I'm the queen of all and, you know, everyone must bow down to me. Nothing like that. But sometimes there's a reason why I'm trying to ring you in. It's not because I'm trying to be rude. It's just that I have to keep a show going. And part of my job is to facilitate the discussion. So I wanted to make sure I let you guys know that. Also, when you do have your mic opened up and you do get the opportunity to speak, Please be succinct. Make your point. We, I, I get it. You have a lot to say. We all have a lot to say. But unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time to get everyone's opinions in if they're really long. So if you have a main point, stick to it and uh, be succinct. I think that's fair. Don't you think that's fair, M. Doc? What you guys yes, think? Yes, I think it's very Absolutely. fair. Absolutely. Okay. So again, if I have to, if, I, if I, you hear me cutting in on you, it's probably because I, it's time for us to wrap up your point and get to someone else. Also, no personal attacks. We've never had that problem on this show, and I don't think we will. But just to put that out there, no personal attacks. We're all here to discuss. If, if you have a point that you disagree with, challenge the idea, challenge the point. Do not attack the person. If you attack the person, I will totally drop you off the show. You're just going to be disappear. You're going to wonder why all of a sudden you heard a dial tone. That's why. Or whatever your phone does. It's because you attack someone, and I, I think I have zero tolerance for that. We can have intellectual intellectual discourse, but that's where we're going to keep it, right? 
Okay. And it looks like we have a caller on the line already. Caller 202, you want to tell me your name? Hey, my name is uh, Curtis. Hi, Curtis. How are you? I'm doing are you well. Are you yourself? I'm fine. Are you a first-time listener or a first-time caller? Um, I, I listened in on one other talk. It was a while ago, though. Oh, okay. Well, welcome. Welcome back. How about that? Okay. Thanks. So are you guys ready? You guys ready for the first topic? Yes, we are. And no, I think- let me just say this. I'm having a little bit of feedback on my phone. I don't know if my cell phone uh, is cutting up. If I drop, I'll call right back, though. But I don't think anything will happen. But I just want to let you know that I'm getting a little bit of, of lag on the phone. Yeah, I'm not getting a lag, but it it is cutting off every once in a while for like one or two seconds at a time. So that's I, maybe it's an engineering issue. But again, just like um, Doc said, that is that's not me leaving the discussion. That's just a technical issue. <laughs> okay, well I can hear you guys perfectly. So Curtis, can you hear me? Okay. I guess he Hello? cannot. Curtis. Oh, can you hear me? Okay, Curtis. Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I'm just doing a quick sound check so that way everybody can hear me. So the first topic, like I said, uh, it's about Tyler Perry. And I know we all love Tyler (laughs) Perry. (laughs) Oh, yes. We love Tyler Perry. Why? Because he does things like this. Was that your, 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 were you trying to sound like Medea just there? I wasn't, but did I? I don't know. It was very. It was, it was like southern, uh, southern Vita. <laughs> southern Vita. Sometimes that comes out. <laughs> Not that I've ever lived in the South, but whatever. Um, this past weekend, Bishop T.D. Jakes brought his Mega Fest inspirational event to Dallas, which included various events featuring Oprah Winfrey, Steve Harvey, and Babyface, just to name a few people. And one of the many highlights came from the hands of Tyler Perry. Perry, who attended Sunday morning service at Jake Potter's House Church to announce his $1 million donation towards the Influential Spiritual Leaders Developing Youth Center. He took the mic and toward the end of the rousing speech placed his hand on Jake's head and blessed him. Yes, Jesus! (laughs) He said, said, "I I love to give. That's what he said to the people who were there. I've been a giver all of my life, and when people have given to you and sown into you and God has touched them and given you favor, see, they don't understand it where I come from. They don't understand it in Hollywood. But I want to tell you something about the blood of Jesus. I have to say it that way. You have to say it that way. You know, so super he lays his hand on them. He speaks in tongues. T.D. Jakes does his his thing, falls back a little bit, not all the way back, to look like somebody who looked like uh, Kirk Franklin trying to hold him up because T.D. Jakes isn't exactly a small guy. But anyway, he's leading back. He's receiving the spirit. What y'all think about that? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me, well, how did, what did you think? I, and I'm going to post a link in, in the chat room for those of you guys who are listening. And if you're listening and you're not in the chat room, try to refresh your page and try to join the chat room because I post all the links up from the discussion in the chat room. But, yeah, Emily, what was your reaction when you first saw that video? Before I even saw the video and I just saw the headline, like not even the full headline, I just saw the first words of Tyler Perry, I'm like, this is going to be some buffoonery. I just know it is because it usually is where his name is associated. And, sadly, I was correct. 
what bothered me about the situation was the gross hypocrisy of T.D. Jakes feeling that he has been blessed and feigning the catching of the spirit um, from a man who dresses as a woman for a living but won't even accept his gay, his own gay son. Um, and it bothers me because the Bible is also very Wait, clear. Wait, who has a gay about, son? Um, T.D. Jakes does. Really? I didn't know that. I did not know that. <laughs> it, yeah, that's wow. Really how, how do you get this exclusive information, M? <laughs> you know I know things. No, 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 I'm sorry. Um, that information <laughs> is very unrelated. And hold on. If I can find the link, I'm going to post it in the chat box okay. for you. But, but the Bible point, which is very, you very making. clear. It's very, very clear about um, how it feels about men dressing as women and women dressing as men. The Bible is very, very clear about that. Um, the fact that Tyler Perry does it for money doesn't make it less of a sin. It actually makes it more of a sin since God said to remove yourself from the world and be not a part of the world. But, so he was totally cool with letting us do lay hands on him and pretending to catch a spirit for a donation, but he couldn't accept his own gay child. And, oh, and I actually did find it here. Um and where a few um, articles actually where his gay son speaks out um, and how everybody loves T.D. Jakes except his own son. <laughs> like, mm. I'll, 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 I'll post a couple of those in the chat box for you guys. But Thank you. Yeah. So when I saw that and I, and I, saw, I see this dude rolling around like a hot mess in that video, I can't even make it to the video. I was literally crying with laughter. It was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen in such a long time. <laughs> I guess it's actually adults. These are grown men doing this. I I couldn't I oh, couldn't wow. Yeah. I, I hear you. <laughs> Doc, what did you think? What was your opinion? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm likely gonna get myself <laughs> in trouble again. But um I looked at it and I knew, you know, like it's like Emmeline said, I knew that when I saw it you know, I, I was expecting theater when I saw the headline. I automatic. I saw T.D. Jakes. I saw uh, uh, Tyler Perry. And I'm like, all right, you know, they're going to put on a show. This is going to be some silliness. So I kind of expected that going in. and But it really got to the theater of the absurd. You know, Tyler Perry starts speaking in tongues. You know, and I'm like, all right, all right. Okay, now you guys are over the top with it. Now, now fellas. Now, I expect you to do some of the stuff there. I expected him to go and preach and, yo, I got the spirit and he just gave me a million dollars, hallelujah. I expected that. But when he starts speaking in tongues and putting his hand on T.D. Jakes and T.D. Jakes is being shaking like he got the dark side of the force, it's like, okay, guys, y'all are really, really taking the silly to another level. And what frustrated me is, is I've seen so many different types of preacher hypes and preacher games and preacher hustles. But I'm like, you know, at some point I expected the, the the people in the crowd to go, all right, now this is too much. Now stop this foolishness, please. And it kind of bothers me that we as brothers and sisters don't call this call these preachers out and these mega pastors like T.D. Jakes. We don't call them to the carpet for the type of theatrics we see like that or with Eddie Long being crown king and, and just foolishness almost cut. <laughs> With almost foolishness like that, you know, you get tired of that after a while. I understand, and it's an embarrassment to true people of faith. I'm not a man of faith, but I know people of faith. And that, that to me, that's embarrassing. You know, it just embarrasses the Christian faith. 
Well, uh, Curtis, I want you to jump in. What did you? What was your reaction? You don't have to have the same reaction as as the as Doxen or M. We all we both know that there's some heathens. What do you think, Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> you still with me, Curtis? Curtis, where you go? I guess he's not here. I guess we lost Curtis. That's okay. You know, I just um, wanted to point well, out one last thing um, that that uh, I think other Christians should keep in mind when they wonder why people think things like speaking in tongues and catching the spirit are ludicrous. Speaking and catching the spirit is one thing, but speaking the tongues, from what I've read in scripture, is not something that one can do on command. Right. So it's Go not ahead. like you can. It's not like you can just. You have a, a, a time, you know, um, schedule or program for the church service, and you know, pencil in at nine forty-five. I'm going to start speaking in tongues. It doesn't work that way. Like you can't just start speaking in tongues and start catching the spirit at will. <laughs> you know, um, I I want to go ahead and put my opinion, and then I'm going to get to the caller that's on the line right now. Um. So as I shared at the last show, having been, we were talking about um, people who don't take their children to the doctor to get because they want, they believe God is going to heal their child, and you know you guys have some strong opinions about those people, and I kind of was hoping I put a few things in perspective, and I hope to do the same thing with this discussion too. Don't get me wrong, I thought what I saw was completely ridiculous and completely hilarious, but I do. Um, I do I, I do understand certain things. For one thing, that's kind of the culture of that church world. I used, I will admit, like I admitted last time that I was raised in a Christian cult, um, but I will also admit that I used to speak in tongues. <laughs> I was a holy roller growing up. I grew up a holy roller. And uh, I, I can't explain it, but it's, 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 it's a psychological thing. And it's one, of the, it's one of the harder parts of coming out of religion for me Um was it was actually that part of it trying to reconcile the fact that I believe something so wholeheartedly that my body responded, and well, I don't know like if you guys mind over matter. I, you know what? I kind of understand what you're saying because I I grew up when I was real small before I got older and started getting into trouble. My father, rest his soul, love you, pops. He was a Baptist minister and a pastor at one point, and you know, you do believe you start to believe something so hard that it really almost becomes psychological. You really start to accept it. My problem with the whole speaking in tongues thing is like, oh, I, I could understand if you were so overwhelmed with emotion that you started speaking another language or something like that. And I understand the story. I, I don't want to get it too far into the biblical story for the sake of time, but I understand where it comes from. But when you're just up there speaking gibberish for the sake of it, you know, and you're looking at Tyler Perry, and you know that man's performing. It's like, come on, bro, now stop this. This is embarrassing to those who are of the Christian faith. I'm not a Christian brother by any stretch of the imagination, but I know Christian people, and I have Christian people in my peer, in my circle that I respect. And I, to me, that's just, you know, it's just... But my, there, there's another like element to it, though. Is that the, the other element is the... Yeah, this is me. This is me. Um, the <laughs> okay. other element to it is that this is... Church is a business, Right. Yes, and people absolutely. fail to realize that there is a people have financial and they have psychological and emotional investment in having to believe this, and it's all and it's only true 
because thousands of people in the church think that it's true. You don't want if it was one person who thought so, then you'd feel stupid. But when it's thousands, then you feel intelligent. That right. was that church was packed because of the event that day. Tyler Perry is a businessman who makes his money essentially preaching to people in movie form. That's basically what his movies are. They're they're sermons in movie form. So they got together that day. He got a gave him a million dollar donation, and I can guarantee you the pot and the tithing pool after that performance dwarfed that million dollars that he gave. You have to give people a performance because it it justifies what they already believe as individuals. You have to do spectacles like that. You have to talk a certain way in order to 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 give credence to what people are already prone to believe anyway. So I, I, people like to take the line, well, they're um, you know they're being manipulated or they're being fooled. People they know most Christians know it's ridiculous, but they'll never tell you that in public. It's a it's a it's a kind of an unspoken thing where we all have to pretend like it's not nonsense even though we know that it is. You know what I'm saying? The only people getting paid off of it are uh, pastors and people like Tyler Perry. You I know, I think... Way, you know. I'm sorry, you guys. I actually want to get another caller on the line. Uh, caller 310, do you want to state your name and where you're from? Uh, this is Frederick from Los Angeles. Hi, Frederick. Is this my friend? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, did you want to chime in real quick, Frederick? Sure. I guess one of the things that was interesting to me about Tyler announcing, you know, what he had donated was, if you look at Matthew 6, if you have your Bibles, it says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. So, you know, that's kind hmm. of contrary When you pray, uh, you must go into to, your closet and pray privately. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Um and then I forgot what my second point was going to be. Oh, but what you're saying about the other thing is, you know, on the one hand, I'm not, I don't have you a can't problem. Make, you can't make money if, that, he, if he's actually giving money to help <laughs> to whatever the youth center is going to be. But I think we know that churches have one of the worst records in terms of actually expending the money that they receive for, mm-hmm. you know, the charitable purpose. So that's another issue. Yeah. Okay. You know, the way I feel about it when I first commented on this and I first saw this was, my feeling is that catching the spirit and and speaking in tongues is is a live action version of the emperor's new clothes. Um, in the book, people were afraid of saying that they didn't see anything because they didn't want to be thought of as dumb. And in real life, believers, you know, people who actually have faith in God, don't want to say that they think it's bullshit because then their their faith is going to be is going to come into question. And then they see these people rolling on in the aisles of this buffoonery, and they're thinking to themselves, oh, well, he or she probably just has more faith than me if if they're if they're still in that cult mindset. I think, or otherwise, I see, I'm being fooled, but I can't say anything. Have you been uh, – I, 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 I think what you're saying is 100% on point. That's definitely a part of it. And like I said, I'm speaking from experience. Um, that's part of it because you do want that acceptance, and it's like – you're constantly being told that, look at so-and-so, so-and-so is so spiritual, so-and-so is so whatever, and you want that recognition. So I definitely agree with that. Um, but the other part of it is also just the environment itself. I mean, sometimes I think even without necessarily the recognition, you don't, nec- you don't want to be the weirdo. You don't want to be the mm-hmm. odd person out. So a lot of, so it's, I don't even think it's always conscious. In fact, I would say a lot of the times that I 
went through my experience, it wasn't conscious. So, which is probably it's a classic why group you thing. it's a right. It's like it's, it's you, me personally. I thought at that time that I was being filled with the Holy Spirit. To me, it was not a gimmick. For me, it was serious. For me, I really was connecting with a higher being. That's really sincerely how I felt. It had nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, the the, no, uh, the I agree group with thing you about environment. Um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Um, oh, you that, know what? You know, and that, yes, but to me, though, part- that is what makes it that much more damaging, and I'm going to use the word damaging in my opinion, to the psyche of, of not just the people within the black community, but people in general. Because, you know, I, I one time I, I got into a really serious discussion with a guy because I said, you know, if you're going to hustle, Hustle in church. Don't stand on the street corner with jumps in your pocket. Get in the church and hustle. That's where the money's at. That's where your following's going to be. Uncle Sam ain't even going to bother you. Get out there. And he was like, how can you say that? And I'm like, well, because in some ways, uh, this the whole environment of the church, in some ways, when you look at the hustle aspects of it, is more, you know, a preacher is more dangerous than a crack dealer. A crack dealer is not going to sell you a rock and say, here, smoke this rock and you'll be saved. But a preacher will mm. sell faith to you and have you believing something and, and investing your whole life, your money, your, your your very fiber of your being into this faith, meanwhile they're hustling to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. And so I, it's really dangerous to me when you see guys like T.D. Jakes and uh, Tyler Perry up there shucking and jiving and performing and money changing hands the way it is because not only is it a misrepresentation of what the true face is supposed to be like, but it's really dangerous and it takes advantage of people who are really looking to make a connection with the higher power. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I agree. And it's said I, about environment. And the reason I believe that is because I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church. And you better not have been catching anything except the collection plate when it came your way. Catching the spirit, speaking tongues, or any of that buffoonery would not be tolerated. Catholics pray mm-hmm. solemnly. You pray. You better be quiet in that church. Anything that you do that is even mildly distracting, then you're the weirdo. If you're the idiot rolling around in the aisles, you had better be having an actual seizure. Right. <laughs> I've been to a Catholic church, and that's kind of the environment, <laughs> which was yeah, awesome. And I was, I was, being, being a holy roller, going to a Catholic church was like a big shock, extreme shock. But I want to move on to the next topic because we have so many news topics and so many hot topics we need to get to that I want to make sure that we get an opportunity to get as many in as possible. So the next topic I want to talk about is our friend Cheryl Underwood. <laughs> so <laughs> Cheryl Underwood. Uh, made some uh, comments disparaging natural black hair. And uh, during, so basically during the last episode of The Talk, which is like this knockoff of The, of the View, which is not even as good, and I don't even think The View's that great, but whatever, my opinion. Um, so, Cheryl Underwood is a host on that show, one of the co-hosts. And she made some remarks regarding natural hair in response to uh, Heidi Klum, who shares that she saves the shorn hair of her biracial children with her ex-husband, Seal. And uh, she described her children's hair as pretty. Underwood asked Klum, why would you save Afro hair? Then she joked, you can't save, you can't weave Afro hair. You never see black women at the hair place going, look here, what I need here, I need those curly, nappy beads. That just seems nasty. And so, uh, Yes, that was Cheryl Underwood's comment, and of course Twitter went 
crazy and the internet went crazy and Facebook went crazy. I want to know what you guys think about her comments. What she, and some people are defending and saying, well, she's a comedian. She's just jokes. Why is this an issue? Why do we care? She's just being funny. So um, I want to get your opinion on that. Let's start off with uh, Doc Sin. What do you think? Um, I don't like the fact that she tries. You know, you can't hide behind that whole I'm a comedian nonsense when you make a comment like that, especially when you look at the fact that there are so many different types of attacks on the black female in this country. The black female has had an attack on her psyche since the moment she stepped foot in this country. From the moment the black woman stepped foot in America, she was told that she wasn't beautiful, that her natural attributes weren't beautiful, her hair was not beautiful, her skin tone was not beautiful, her thick hips were not beautiful, and it is a constant barrage of negativity that is sent in the direction of the black woman on a regular basis. And Cheryl Underwood, you know, first of all, I don't think she's that funny. You know, I mean, to me, she's a walking dick joke, excuse my language, but that's really kind of the level of comedy that she's on. But outside of that, you you can't make jokes like that. There are young girls who are living through having to live through that. I have a daughter now. She wears her hair dreadlock, man, wears her hair naturally. And she gets stares from her, and my daughter's hair is beautiful, but she gets stares from other girls. You know, they're like, why you wear your hair like that? Because And it, to me, it's because of the fact that we're constantly telling black women that their natural attributes are not beautiful. And you can't get on national television and reinforce that stereotype and then, you know, try to pass it off as jokes. That's bullshit to me. I'm not feeling that. I hear you. Em? Um, well, I it's like what um, Doc said. I don't think that Sean Underwood is that funny. I had actually didn't know what her name was for many, many years. Um, it's just recently after following the story that I knew who she was because admittedly I've seen her over the years on very, like, low-rent, B-list kind of made-for-TV shows and movies and things. Um, what bothered me was not just this comment, but the comment that she made after Melissa Gilbert said she also saved, Sarah Gilbert said she also saved her children's hair, and she said that, well, your children probably have some beautiful, long, silky mm-hmm. stuff. And right. that was kind of like the nail in the coffin. She might, it might have been able to be redeemed if she had not thrown that comment in there. And what bothered me was Sarah made this comment trying to get the discussion back on topic, and she kind of pulled it back into that um, Afro-Texan hair is ugly right. mindset. And what bothers me is when people, comedians say these things, racist things, homophobic things, fill in the blank, and... They say, oh, well, it's comedy. I know comedy. I know black comedians. When, you know, Paul Mooney, um, Chris Rock, when he was at the top of his game, even Cat Williams would say things that could be interpreted in such a fashion, but they said it with, as part of a bigger message. The entire comedy um, um, stand-up routine was had a central theme to it. And Paul Mooney was right. never afraid to speak on racial matters, particularly him. I think that you're raising a good point, Em, um, because I, I, I think I think I kind of know where you're going. There's com- there's com- comedy that touches on social social consciousness. You know, some people. Uh, Dave Chappelle has done that. Uh, you've named Paul Mooney, Chris Rock. Um, what's her name? Uh, I can't think of her name. Black comedian, famous. What's her name? Yeah, everybody knows. Wanda, Wanda Sykes. Sykes. So, Wanda Sykes. Yeah, yes. Wanda Sykes. Mm-hmm. There are people who have used 
comedy forced to push social consciousness. So there is a way to do it So and, and be funny. When people use that cop-out, oh, it's just a joke, yeah, you can use a joke to tear people down. You can use a joke to uplift people. You can use a joke for various things. So I I, I agree with Doc Sin when he says, that's, you know, it's bullshit. Um, I, I want to give a little pushback, though. Well, just real quick. I'm sorry. Real quick. I have other callers on the line. I just want to say if you want to get – in the queue, I see you're on the line, but if you want to get in the queue, meaning you want to speak, you have to press one. Otherwise, I would just assume you don't want to speak. Um, was that Curtis who wanted to jump in? Yeah, that was me. Um, okay, the pushback I want to give to that is in the black within the black community, self-depreciating humor of black people is something that is devoured ravenously by the community because – as we tend to, I don't even know how this occurred over the decades, but there are lots of aspects of uh, negative aspects of just human culture together that we have um, appropriated. Like, for example, the whole self-depreciating thing about being ghetto and things of that nature. We will laugh, we will enforce negative stereotypes on ourselves and laugh about it maniacally, like black people having bad credit. So. You know, we laugh about things like that or how we eat bad or how we show up on time, how black time, how we're notoriously late and things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? So I want to, if we're going to, you know, we have to be consistent. Now, laughing about our hair, you know, things of that nature is one, in my opinion, erroneous uh, thing to say. But how is that any different than anything else? Can I, can can I, I want to push back on that. I'm going to push back on that. I'm sorry, let me push back on that. Because this is the difference between showing up late, this is the difference between even bad credit to some degree, is that we can't change our hair. That's a natural, physical feature. Thank you. There's nothing we can do about that. Being late to something, that's funny because that's something we can change. Uh, That's a a good point. That's a good point. Our physical features have been denigrated. And in fact, me and Emily, as I said in the beginning of the show, me and Emily have a show we're planning for the for the 19th where we're going to talk about the oppression of the African phenotype. And this actually fits in that. And I, uh, in the chat room, someone made a good point that the reality is, and Peace and Monique, thank you for making this point in the chat room, that there's a, all jokes contain a twinge of reality. And she said, well, who actually goes to the hair store and asks for hair? I think that's a very valid point. However, um, Let's think about that for a second. Why don't people ask for Afro hair? And some people do. I actually have an Afro wig that I wear for Halloween and stuff like that. But why is why is that the case? Why are people not asking for Afro hair, at least not here in the U.S.? And we have to also My question, consider the fact that Cheryl Underwood did went beyond just saying we don't buy or ask for Afro hair. She said it was nasty. She said that she in in Emily, you just brought this up that uh, Sarah Gilbert said brought up her children's hair, and Cheryl said, well, your baby has nice, long, silky hair. That, to me, is the funny a little thing is, why, I don't hear too many to white people left. saying that. Well, here's, a, here's what it, I want to say. It seems do. like a uniquely black thing to denigrate one's own hair, because in my experience, what, like take dreadlocks and cornrows. How, they, how other cultures perceive our natural hairstyles is very different than how some people in our culture perceive our own hairstyles. I think that's very interesting and ironic, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what yeah, I want to get my caller. Uh, if I'm I'm at, sorry, guys. I want um, to get um, the other callers that, on the line. I have a couple. Hello? 
I'm sorry. I want to get other callers on the line. Um, caller 818, do you want to state your name and where you're from? Caller 818, your mic is open. I'm sorry? Your mic is open. Is that uh, Tamara, Tamara? Oh. Yes, it's me. How are you? Hi, Tammy. Hey, sweetie. How are you? Okay. Did you, what um, do you want to jump I, in and say? <clears throat> I have this to say about this. This situation, it, it annoys me. Probably in for a different reason, but I will say as far as the comedy goes, if she's making a joke about having, if I if I'm a comedian and I make jokes about being dark skinned, I'm so dark when you get out of when I get out of the car the oil light comes on. That's funny, but if I'm bleaching my skin every day, that shows that I'm not really laughing with myself. I'm laughing at myself. And the fact that she conceals her hair in such a way and makes sure that she's, I mean, she was humiliated to take her wig off that day. If I had on a wig, I could take it off and swing my fro. I wouldn't even care. She goes through great lengths to conceal her naps. So her joke wasn't a joke. It was her reality that she thought everybody would agree with and was shocked when not everyone did. Mm. Wow. Good point. Uh, I have another caller on the line, uh, caller 313. Do you want to and state, let's figure out who you are first. State your name. My name is Akia. Hi, Hello, Akia. Akia. Hi, Welcome Vita. To the show. Okay. I just tweeted Hold on, which Akia am I speaking so. with? <laughs> Akia White. Okay, awesome. Awesome, Akia. <laughs> okay, Do you want to so, go ahead and jump um, in? Yeah, I'm kind of piggybacking off what Tamara just said and kind of what Curtis said. I have a problem with um, her comments on the show because I feel like she was making fun of us because of her low self-esteem issues, and that's what I have a problem with. I also have a problem with the fact that she kind of disrespected Heidi Klum's children, you know, by calling mm-hmm. their hair nasty. That's a good and point. You know, just to repeat how Sarah Gilbert was trying to clean it up because, you know, it, it kind of seemed like she was even offended. And she's not, you know, she's not experienced in this, but even for her to, you know, kind of be like, well, I cut my kids hair too, you know. You know, I just, I, I don't understand it and I don't, I don't accept her apology or anything. She has issues that she has to work out and I don't think that we all should pay for what she's going through. And thank you for bringing up the apology. She actually, I wanted to uh, read this real quick, and we're going to have to move on to the next topic soon. Um, But she said, I'm not what you think I am in response to all the Twitter stuff she was getting. I'm not what you think I am. I don't have self-hate. I am not ashamed of my blackness or who I am. In high school, I had a giant afro. In college, I I loved my afro puff. My dad instilled black pride in me. I have no hair shame whatsoever. She also talked about the struggles she's faced in the entertainment industry as a plus-size black woman. Quote, you have no idea what I and others in the business have been through. I often feel uncomfortable. For years, I've had to face, I'm not black, I'm too black, I'm too fat, I'm not fat. Someone who looks like me, who works in the business I work in, it's difficult. Everybody talks about the way I look, and it's our people that have been the hardest on me. I thought that was hope, but I didn't really buy her apology. Okay, but you know what? I'm so I'm I'm so sick of the it's our people, it's our people because I, usually when I hear people say that, it's from people who live around a bunch of black people. I live in a city that is 0.24 percent white. 
when I was in Miami, every black person and Hispanic person I saw praised my hair. No one avoided eye contact with me when I wore my hair out like they do here. I didn't catch anyone laughing on the side and pointing at my hair like they do here. Yes, no, white people are not better. You're just around them less. When you're around them more and they know that they can act out because you're the only one, they show their true colors. And black people love my hair. I've never had one negative comment from a black person about my hair. I, I just you know haven't. what's funny? I've, I've, I have a similar experience like that. Like, I, I don't, I haven't heard too many negative comments from black people. But that could also be because people know me, probably know better. Uh, caller 404, you're on the line. Your mic is open. Hey, uh, just quick, just a quick minute while I'm sitting here waiting for this trailer to get ready. Um, What's your name? This is Mario. Mario. This is Mario. Oh. Oh, uh, hey, Mario. Normally, I'm normally I'm hanging with him over there, but uh, <laughs> I got several points that I want to make right quick. One, uh, with regards to what she said, having watched Def Comedy Jam and Comic View, and for when it was on HBO, and seeing all the black comics come up there and everything. I think it was just a stupid joke that just didn't get any traction and actually worked against her more than anything. I think that she didn't think about it when she said it. I don't think that every time you make a a funny quip about something related to black people that you automatically denigrating everything that is black. You know, you have the right to mm. have, crack a joke. That's, I love an inappropriate joke. You tell me an inappropriate well, joke racially or whatever like that, I can giggle about it all day within the proper context. I don't think the joke is funny. I think I don't think it made sense. I think it was stupid. But I don't always think that every time you you say something negative about black people, you're talking about denigrating an entire sex or an entire history or an entire subset and everything like that. In fact, in fact, um, um, I, I almost believe that sometimes we just we don't. We kind of look at things in a way of like this has to be a bigger issue, and sometimes I think it's just stupid. It's just that simple. Okay, stupid. well let me let me piggyback off that what you said, and I'm going to go to the next story about the Tulsa, Oklahoma school, a black school. Okay, We're talking about a black school. They sent a girl home, a seven-year-old. In fact, let me just go ahead and pull up the story. Yeah, I know so that way. About, yeah, I, um, yeah, I thought that was exactly. pretty, uh, pretty jacked so, up. As a matter of fact, oh, and um, in regards well, to let that, me, I, you know, like, let me get to the story. Right. Actually, let me do the story, right. and then I'll get right back to you. <laughs> um, okay, well, sorry. Deborah Bound Community School is one student short for the remainder of the school year. Terrence Park, and this is from Fox uh, 23.com. If you guys mm. wondering where I'm getting this from, Terrence Parker said the school hassled him and didn't leave him a choice. Parker said he yanked his seven-year-old daughter Tian out of class because of a disagreement that left mm-hmm. her in tears. Parker, right. who's a barber said school officials at Deborah Brown told him Tiana's hair didn't look presentable. She's always, according to him, Mm -hmm. she's always presentable and that he takes pride Mm -hmm. in his kids looking nice. The charter school Mm -hmm. has its own set of rules. While no one at the school agreed to speak uh, with any of the news on camera, an administrator named Millard Jones told Fox 23 that at Terrence Parker, that Terrence Parker was fully aware what was expected. However, for his young daughter, it just hurts. And this is what she said. The girl, little girl said, they didn't like my dress. Um, this, so the school has a dress code, and it states that hairstyles such as dreadlocks, afros, mohawks, and other fattish styles are unacceptable. The school feels that could distract from the respectful and serious atmosphere it strives for. Now, 
now let's go back to what you were just saying. You know, it's I have a hard time just giving people passes because of the comedic aspects. Even if they did it in 1993 when Jeff's Comedy Jam was big, you know, we I feel like at a certain point we have yeah. to raise our social um, consciousness. It's been that's been 20 years. That was 20 years ago. We have, I would like to think, have advanced past a lot of those things that we did and talked about in the 90s. So yeah. I, I personally don't think. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You want to jump in? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't cut anyone off, did I? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know when something's wrong. Like when I listen to uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's Delirious, and he's using the F word, referring to you know, homosexuals the whole time. At the time that I laughed at it, I didn't. I didn't know the context of it. Now I do. So now I'm a bit offended by it. I I get what was going on here. I thought that whole school thing was some some, some BS. I'm just saying I don't think Cheryl Underwood even thought about it when she said it. And in hindsight, hindsight being 2020, then you being a celebrity on top of that, and all this going out nationally, now you're getting bit back in behind because now it's a different time. You, you can't really say that stuff. But I don't think it was I, – I, I as a matter of fact, growing up, growing up when I grew up in my area um, and whatnot, it had a lot of black community and stuff like that, I heard a lot of things about uh, – People, uh, black girls in their hair. That world, there's some viciousness, especially in some cases. One case, I, I know girls that got into really big fights and stuff, and this girl actually took time to cut off this girl's hair because her hair was long and straight, hers wasn't. And that was the main thing. You know, I can't say what each person should do in different areas and stuff like that. All I know is, in this case right here, I think it was just stupid. Mm-hmm. And something shouldn't have been said, but I don't think. Well, Mario, may I ask you a question? Go ahead. Do you think that Cheryl Underwood feels that way? Do you think you know she what? does, in fact, think that Afro hair is nasty, and maybe that's why she conceals it? And I mean, out of curiosity, what your opinion? I know plenty of people who wear wigs and whatnot for whatever reason they do and everything. As far as her going, as far as her. I think she might actually feel that way on some level. But on top of that, though, I just think the joke was stupid. And I, But I, I, I agree that she was joking. I think she believed that the joke was something that we could go, yeah, that's true. But when people didn't say, yeah, that's true, then she was caught in the crosshairs. But the bottom line is she did feel this way, and she thought everybody would go, uh-huh, that's right. But there, sometimes the joke goes too far because – Okay. I'm sorry. I, I felt like I lost you. <laughs> I would argue her timing no. was bad. I, I don't think it. I don't think she was joking. No, she wasn't joking. I don't. I don't think she was joking. I think she was speaking So I think jokes was the excuse. It was a joke. Was the excuse she made after the negative, uh, the the negativity started coming her way. Well, I'm just joking. I I don't think she was joking. I think she was what she felt. Well, you can tell I think she was by both. the tone of her like, voice she was telling that a joke it wasn't really a joke. But her timing was bad. We're in the middle of a kind of a cultural uh, revolution thing where black women are kind of reclaiming those hairstyles, and then white people are taking notice, especially I read the, uh, the Nielsen um, annual report on the financial state of the black community for marketing purposes. And one of the things in there 
is that having more authentically looking black people and marketing to them in terms of following the natural hair move things, that nature is one of the major points they were making. So I can't stress mm-hmm. the point that as far as hair and appearance is concerned, we've kind of internalized some some negative things from our past history that white people apparently have moved on from and even have learned to embrace certain aspects of our culture that we that we loathe, um, and it's a weird thing. I don't know if I'm convinced certain things that. that they would embrace, we look at it like, oh, that's nasty. Where Heidi Klum was looking at this woman, I mean, I was the love of my life was a black man. I love my children. I think they're beautiful. And here's another black woman telling me that my kid's hair is ugly. What that would be unheard of at any other point in time in history. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, but I also think there's a certain level of fetishizing that that happens in the white community with uh, yeah. black features. I don't know if that is something positive necessarily, but I do want to move on. But to I just think topic. it's different. <laughs> it's the attractiveness of something I hear different. You, but I, you know I, what I'm saying? I, I hear you. I got to move on we to the next 75% topic. We're really population, short on time. You know. We are really short on time, and I have to go to the next topic. I appreciate you for chiming in on that one. Um, but let's get to the N-word. So, so, Bert, I'm going to post this link in the chat room for those of you guys who may not be familiar with this topic. The N-word was put on trial recently. Um, I don't know if anybody even heard that because I didn't hear too much buzz about it. But a federal jury in New York has rejected the argument that use of the N-word among amongst blacks can be a culturally acceptable term of love and endearment, deciding its use in the workplace is hostile and discriminatory no matter what. Jurors last week awarded $250,000 in comp- uh, messing up my words. <laughs> in compensation and damages to black employment agency worker who was the target of an N-word laced rant by her black boss and they turn and they returned to a Manhattan federal court Tuesday to decide on punitive damages. And I believe that's going to happen next week. The case against Rob Carmona and the employment agency he founded, Strive East Harlem, gave legal airing to what, seen, to what some see as a complex double standard surrounding the word. It's a degrading slur when uttered by whites, but can be used at times with impunity among blacks. But 38-year-old Brandy Johnson told jurors that being black didn't make it any less hurtful to be the target of what her attorney called Carmona's Quote, four-minute, I want to say it, four-minute nigga tirade about inappropriate workplace attire and unprofessional behavior. Johnson, who taped the March 2012 remarks after her complaints about his verbal abuse were disregarded, said she fled to the restroom and cried for 45 minutes. Uh, what are you, that's, yeah. So I want to know what, what I want to know what, I want to know which did he call her. Did he call her a nigger or did he call her nigga? That's to me. And, and I hate when people say it's the same word because when they say that, that implies that black people are too ignorant to pronounce ER. It's not literally the same word because we, yeah, we're smart enough to know how to spell and pronounce ER. But if he's calling her a nigger, basically you are degrading me. And, and no, I don't like that. The idea that black people cannot um, show bigotry towards each other Like a black cop racially profiles a black kid That's racial profiling I don't care what how black he is You know, I, I, mm. I think it, it depends mm-hmm. on the on the context If he's calling her a nigger Basically, especially an older black man Which that means a downgraded, disgusting, trashy black person Then yes, 
she has every right to be upset about that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't care if you use an ER or an A. If if somebody's going off on me and cussing me out at work in the first place, that's a problem. That's true. Period. That's the key word at work. At that point. I'm, I'm, yeah, this is at work, and I'm, and I actually, yeah, I, I, I don't think the e, the er, or the a even matter. If I'm at work, those are not terms that we should be using at work anyway. Um, I, I totally agree, caller. but I don't think one is racially motivated. But I do agree, it's inappropriate. But one, it may not feel, I may not feel like someone used something a racial slur against me is what I meant. But go on, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I had another caller. I believe 239 was on the line. Caller 239, did you want to jump in? Maybe not. Okay, never mind. I'm closing your mic again. If you want to get back on the uh, queue, you have to press 1, everyone. Um, go ahead. What were you going to say? I, I think it was to say about that. Yeah. Um, now, um, the people on the line who do know me know that I'm Haitian, and that is a majority black country. So my experience um, and it wasn't very long. I was country when I was six. Was um, even among Haitians now, it's usually only the ones that are raised here that use any type of any variation of the of you know the N word, whether it be nigger or nigga. Um, it's usually the only the Haitians who are raised here, and it's very very few of even them that do it, or Black Americans. Um, well, of course, you know racist white Americans. And my issue with the word has always been that. Um, I don't find it offensive when really anybody says it, and it's because I've never had a white person say it to me. I've never had a black person say it to me, but I've heard it used jokingly among black people or as a term of endearment. However, um, whether or not I find it offensive is beside the point. I feel that such slang terms should not be in the workplace regardless. Um, You wouldn't call someone... Um, cracker or honky as Even if you were calling them, them that As a term of endearment like you were cool like that Why would you call them that at work mm-hmm. You know Why no, does this I agree. belong in the workplace Why does this belong in the workplace At all um, There's just some lines that shouldn't be crossed You cannot have every relationship with every person And you cannot have um, Bring a, every Every conversation into any scenario You're right I- but I, I do feel um, compelled to call you the I, N-word since you've never been called one. Yeah, yeah. I, I was raised in South Florida. Lord. Tammy, Tammy's my first, you guys. Tam, you are so fired. But, yeah, living in South Florida, I, I've, been, I've been just with so many different ethnicities that's never happened. I'm, yeah, you're in Florida. That's surprising. But, um, uh, Doxon, did you want to jump in? Oh no! I just wanted, you know, just to piggyback on what M said. You know, it the key words for me are at work. That is the key. That's the key word for me. Now, if we were outside of work, this would be a totally different conversation. We're in the street or whatever, but at work, you have to maintain a certain decorum in the workplace in order to get anything done. And I think that once you start allowing people to speak a certain way and say certain things, the slope becomes very slippery, and sooner rather than later, somebody's going to be offended by how you address them, whether you're being uh, using it as a term of endearment or whatever. For me, the key words here are at work. Outside of work, this is a different conversation for me, and I have a different feeling. In the mm-hmm. workplace, you can't do it. You're at work. Do your job. Carry yourself Got a certain it. way. And then go home. 
Okay, now I'm a little bit lost. I, I thought the reason for the lawsuit was she was saying this was a racial thing. Was or or is I don't know. I've been drinking wine. Go ahead. Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> stop calling when you're tipsy. Oh, but it's it's ten o'clock at night, sweetness. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's I think. Well, I, I, I want to move on to the next topic because, again, like I said, we have a lot. So if we don't get to delve too deep into all of them, I'm sorry, everyone. Um, you can hit me up on Facebook and talk to me as much as you want. I have no problem with that. Um, I posted the link to the next topic in the chat room already. And it's a time. It's about Dunkin' Donuts. Don't we all love – first of all, I hate Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, my Let me God. put that out there. <laughs> I think some of the most driest, nastiest donuts ever. And I'm very glad we don't have them in L.A. At least I haven't seen one. Um, anyway, so this happened in Bangkok. A leading human rights group has called on Dunkin' Donuts. Am I hearing music in the background? I was about yeah. to say. That's not me, yeah. y'all. It's not me either. It's, it's not me okay. either. If you have music in the background, please turn off Mario. mute your phone or whatever you have to do. It's not good music at all. <laughs> <laughs> It's not good. <laughs> Please be respectful of this show. If you have, if you're in a space where you have music playing or you're in a loud space, please, you know, either remove yourself from that space or mute your phone. Um, you guys still with me? Yes. Yeah. No, I didn't do that though. That wasn't me. Okay. So in Bangkok, a leading human rights group has called on Dunkin' Donuts to withdraw a bizarre and racist advertisement for chocolate donuts in Thailand that shows a smiling woman with bright pink lips and blackface makeup. The Dunkin' Donuts franchise in Thailand launched a campaign earlier this month for its new, quote, charcoal donut, featuring the image, which is reminiscent of 19th and early 20th century American stereotypes for black people that are now considered offensive symbols of a racist era. In posters and TV commercials, the campaign shows the woman with a shiny, jet black, 1950s-style beehive hairdo holding a bitten black donut alongside the slogan, Quote, break every rule of deliciousness. Human Rights Watch said it has sh- it was shocked to see an American brand name running an advertising campaign that would draw howls of outrage if released in the United States. Quote, it's both bizarre and racist that Dunkin' Donuts thinks that it must color a woman's skin black and accentuate her lips with bright pink lipstick to sell a chocolate donut, said Phil Robertson, the Deputy Asia Director for Human Rights Watch. He also continues to say Dunkin' Donuts should immediately withdraw this ad, publicly apologize to those it has offended, and ensure that this never happens again. The campaign has ruffled many in Thailand, where it's common for advertisements to inexplicably use racial stereotypes. A Thai brand of household mops and dustpans called, quote, Black Man, uses a logo with a smiling black man in a tuxedo and bow tie. One Thai skin whitening cream runs TV commercials that say white-skinned people have better job prospects than those with dark skin. An herbal Thai toothpaste says its dark-colored product is black, but it's good. The CEO for Dunkin' Donuts in Thailand dismissed the criticism as, quote, paranoid American thinking. And he says this, it's absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous, says CEO Nadim Salhani. We're not allowed to use black to promote our donuts. I don't get it. What's the big fuss? What? <laughs> I don't I don't I don't get it. And I'm I hate wait, to say hold that. on, don't interrupt me, guys. Let me finish the story. 
I know y'all excited. Let me get the, let me finish the quote. Can I get the quote out, people? Okay. He said, what if the product was white and I painted someone white? Would that be racist? So Honey said that the Thai franchise of Dunkin' Donuts operates independently of the American operation and that donut sales have increased about 50% since the campaign was launched about two weeks ago, which he attributed to curiosity about the new advertisements. Not every, his, he continues to say, not everybody in the world is paranoid about racism, said Sahani, a Lebanese He's in, he, well, he's, he's Lebanese. He lives in Thailand, and he said his teenage daughter was a model featured was the model featured in the campaign. He says, "quote I'm sorry, but this is a marketing campaign, campaign, and it's working very well for us." Well, now go ahead and let loose. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I Take hate me. to be the person. I hate to be the person, but I don't see the racism in this commercial. I don't. I've looked at it a hundred times, and I've said. Uh, come on, it's in there somewhere, and I don't get it. But it, it. It's a girl. She's not painted the color of a black person. Her lips are the color it, they would be if she wasn't dark chocolate. I, I don't see it. I, I don't even see the association between the girl and a black person. I, I don't. I mean, it's. I don't get it. I don't. You get know, it. I'd buy that. I'd buy that if it weren't for the pink lips. Like seriously, I'd totally be with you. But the pink lips. But the pink ah. lips. But they never did the pink lips. They did the white lips. They did the red lips. The pink lips. I know. I, I don't get. I don't get the connection between the pink the red, lips. It's not the, the connection lips, with black people. It's the connection with the caricature of black people that have been made throughout several, you know, throughout history. I don't. You, you know, I, I think that. Um, it's interesting that I, I could I would buy like I said I I would agree with you if I felt if I didn't see the pink and red lips then I probably agree. Um, I, I, I see if the, the girl was lips. made to look unattractive after the fact then I would get it. But why would they go out of their way their way to make her look hot? If if it was supposed to be, yeah, she turned into a Negro. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this issue as well. I don't think well. that was the I don't think that was the message that she turns into a Negro. I I didn't see I, that I think, as the message. I, I, I'm torn on this subject because, on one hand, I know how incredibly um, colorist a lot of Asian countries are. I've seen a lot of the skin bleaching ads that they run in countries like India, Malaysia, Thailand. Actually, I'll link one of the ads um, um, that was posted in a YouTube video um, about for one company um, called Fair and Lovely, which is actually um, owned yes. by Unilever, the same company that makes Dove. So I, mm-hmm. And I've seen actually very racist um you know, the black herbal toothpaste where you have this black guy um, calling, like, the gorilla from King I've Kong. I've seen that. Um, you have, I've seen the Fair and Lovely ads where where they, they do, they, they imply that you will get a better job, you will get someone to love you if only you are mm-hmm. whiter. But then I look at this ad, and the woman looks beautiful. She looks stunning. Mm-hmm. And there, this, this, it looks like she is drenched in this darkest, richest chocolate. And I really think that it is for the sake of advertising food because no matter how most of the world feels about the European standard of beauty being the standard of beauty, at the end of the day, nobody is, wants to eat white-colored food. You're not going to have the Greek yogurt if you could have the dark chocolate cake. And there's some oh, donuts here. I hate dark chocolate cake. I fucking hate <laughs> chocolate cake. I think what it's the hell? hell? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a whole other topic for another day. I think that shit's nasty. And chocolate ice cream. 
I was. <laughs> I hear you though. Um, I have another I'm caller, offended. so I want to get them in. I, I have another girl. Calm down. I have another caller. <laughs> caller nine two nine. Uh, what's your name and where are you calling from? Your mic Christina is B. Christina. Hello? Yes. You said your name is Christina. Hello. Hello. Okay. Hello. Yes, your your mic is open. Oh, okay. I was just looking. It's um B. I saw the advertisement on Facebook for your blog talk. Okay. And I was Did you want to? The, I was looking at the campaign. I don't think it was meant to be racist or meant to be blackface or disrespectful to black people. I think sometimes we just turn things into something much bigger than what it really is. Mhm. What was your name again? B. B. Okay. B. Make sure I got it right. Got it. Oh, the way B. I feel about it yeah. is I would be offended if she looked like Aunt Jemima or something. Exactly. Why? Why is Aunt Jemima? Why is she offensive? There's nothing wrong with Aunt Jemima. I mean, no, no, no. It's not. I don't think it's, it's the cultural Jemima, impact that Aunt Jemima what, had. We all know what Aunt Jemima offensive. represents. She represents that era where the every black woman was big, jolly, and lived to make you food and be your man. Okay, Aunt Jemima type. I get it. I'm sorry. Exactly. Yes, yeah, she's talking about the same. Curtis, you want to? I'm sorry. Curtis, you want to jump in on this? Curtis, I saw that you pressed one. You want to jump in or no? Yeah. Um, the one thing that I wanted to keep in mind to kind of frame it is that with uh, global marketing, people with companies, people like to think that there's a centralized marketing department. But I used to do um, RFPs for different marketing companies. Um, and for each region, it's a different marketing company. So the McDonald's commercials that you get in Japan – are worlds different from the ones you can hear. Same thing in Toyota. Toyota is based in Japan, but their commercials in Japan are, even the names of the cars, the entire marketing <coughs> portfolio is different for each mm-hmm. region. So and they, think, while I they would never pull a commercial here, they would never do something like that in, in the United States. While it would be okay there, it wouldn't get the same response. Hmm. I, I, and it, wow, that's and, and you know thought. what? That Thanks. was actually that was actually a point that was made in the article when I read it. Was that it was, it was it's a different company basically. It's the same company, but it's a different group of people who run it. And at the which is what the article stated. You know, I think now. Do I think that uh, this was intentionally meant to be racist towards black people? No, I don't think it was intentional. Do I think there's a culture and and, and it's explained it in the article as well, that there's some type of culture of racial offensiveness against black people in their advertising that takes place? Yes. And I think this is teetering that line. The pink lips, like I said, the, the red and pink lips, the, that's the part that makes me cringe. Everything else, I, I could have gotten past. I, I didn't get the I'm going to post, a, I'm I a post a link it. for you guys. I think everybody should see it. I'm sure everybody saw the, saw the report that the African-American community at $1.2 trillion in spending power by uh, 2020. Um, they do a report every year about uh, black consumerism, black spending habits, things of that nature. When you see the numbers about the large amount of marketing that I'm sure you've seen when you look at the TV, being racist 
is almost a death sentence to your quarterly profits and your stock numbers, especially nowadays. Because we're the fastest growing group with spending power. We'd be the 12th largest company by mm-hmm. GDP and purchase power uh, parity if we were a country onto ourselves. So my thing is, if something was really, really racist, which I would find unlikely company, because they're driven by profit. They really, they like anybody who will buy something from them. It don't even matter about race and things of that nature. If it was really racist, we wouldn't have to speculate. We wouldn't even have a yeah. conversation to be obvious. And it would be an obvious blunder, and it would be somebody getting paid, because that's the last thing they want to do. So the question okay, is... We have one last uh, topic for this segment, and then we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back to our next segment. Um, so I just posted a link in the chat room about Ghetto Tracker, and I don't know if every, anyone's heard of it. Oh, wow. And I, like I said, I posted it in the chat mm-hmm. room. So <laughs> uh, a new app tactfully titled Ghetto Tracker, a service seeking to help people identify safe areas in unfamiliar cities, has already garnered enough backlash to prompt an immediate name change to quote, good part of town. However, the PR move may not do much to alter the public's reception of the app, which critics are slamming as a racist, classist app for helping the rich to avoid the poor. The app functions by allowing locals to rate the safety of different parts of a given area. According to The Week, the original launch, Week being a publication, according to The Week, the original launch of the page featured a white family of four smiling alongside the app's promise to show users, quote, which parts of town are safe and which ones are ghetto or unsafe, unquote. In addition to the name change, all mention of the word ghetto has been removed from the site. The site now features an ethnically diverse family on its homepage. In an email sent to Gawker, the app's team said it changed the name in response to emails from a woman whose family had been contained in an actual World War II ghetto and one from a man who grew up in a struggling area and went on to graduate from college and overcome his upbringing. I can't, quote, I can't be held responsible for the assumptions people may make in regards to factors like race and income, quote. The letter to Gawker continued, I've seen comments on blogs and in Twitter that are trying to say this is encouraging racism or social stratification, and that was never our intention. But critics have pointed out the app's adverse effects on the community regardless of the app's intentions. It's pretty detrimental to society, quote, by the way, this is a quote, it's pretty detrimental to to society when we reinforce the idea that poor or crime-heavy areas are places to be categorically avoided or shamed, unquote. David Holmes wrote that on Pando Daily. I don't know what Pando Daily is, but that's what he wrote. He also continues to say, as if to assume that every person who lives in an area with comparatively high crime or poverty is a criminal or that these areas are devoid of culture or positivity. I posted, I believe I posted that link in the chat room um, for okay. those of you guys who would like to see the article for yourself. If I haven't posted it, I'll post it again. Uh, okay. I have a Can caller with the screwy number on the line. I want to get new callers in first. I'm really sorry. I'll get right back to you. Um, caller with uh, 111111111. That's not a screwy number. That's just a lot of ones. Good evening. It's Brown mm-hmm. Beasley. How are you? Can you hear me? Brown Beasley? Yes, the Brown Beasley. Um, oh, okay. I, 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 I'm calling in. I'm, I'm a little late. I'm kind of shocked that someone wouldn't think that the image of uh, a, a mammy character, uh, Aunt Jemima, as being as not being racist. Um, huh? There's been there's been well, we, history. Well, what? well we, 
I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. That that I don't think that claim was made. Actually, the opposite was made about the Untermine yeah. image or the Mammy image. Oh, maybe I, I miss. Maybe 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 I misheard. But oh, I think as most of us here should be aware, there's been a history of using, uh, you know, stereotypical, uh, subservient. Oh yeah, and I did. I did even ignorant. I, I just looked them up on the net. There's one of 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 the guy of the cream of wheat box. Where the guy's speaking in in broken English and holding a sign up, you know, it's it's thing. Um, as far as the, let me move on then, since I was wrong there. <laughs> I didn't hear what I thought someone said. I didn't think that was racist. I don't have a big we still problem with this app. You, Brown. Just so you I know, I wouldn't mind Brown, having the app on my phone. Uh, when oh, it says okay. ghetto tracker, I mean the first ghettos were were in Poland, uh, where the Jews were, where the Jews were were, were cordoned off. That doesn't have too much to do with black folks. Um, right. So, so you're telling me that ghetto tracker is? is it doesn't bother me at all. Not, the application. It, I mean, is it helping you to avoid concentration camps? Let's be real. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, oh no, no. Well, I'm just saying that the or, the origin of the term ghetto, the origin of the term ghetto, and you laugh about avoiding concentration camps. Um, there's a lot of things happening in America. They may be coming a little bit sooner than what you think. Um, but I think. But I think uh, that app go could be good. I think that app could be good because what it's doing is keeping the hand that's destroying the ghetto away from it. So while these people mm. are going away, Hello? the people in the area can take care of themselves without people trying to intrude. So in a way, when it's trying to be evil, the positiveness is still lingering in it. So I feel, yeah, let them go away from here. We don't want them in the area. We don't want them to start businesses because, like my man said, we're growing in the market share. So why do we want other people? Why why, why do you keep saying we as if black people are a monolith? Right. I I would like to say something as a person. I refuse to live in the hood. (laughs) Well, the hood is where everything starts from. Let's talk about I'm hip sorry, hop Pam, and where it Pam starts from. Speaking. I hear you. I'm sorry. Pam, but I'm Pam sorry. wanted to. No, no, that, oh, no that, yeah. wasn't, that wasn't me. Yeah, that's Tamara. We sound alike. Okay. Um, um, uh, as a person who I didn't, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up in the hood. I didn't grow up in the ghetto. But I was raised by a woman who absolutely vilified people who lived in the ghetto, vilified the hood. I was taught that it was a horrible (laughs) and scary place to be, and that's how I was raised. Right, don't cross the other side of the track. Right, I brought home my ex-husband, and he was from South Central, and my mother just, she almost hit the floor. She almost hit the floor. She was like, he's not like us. And, you know, she really wanted to put that separation there. And and, and as a person who just recently, and I know I told you this, Vita, that I've decided the word ghetto is not going to be used to be described, to describe something shabby in my mind anymore. Because at some point you have to grow up and grow on and say, you know what, my mother's crazy and I'm not going to keep that going (laughs) in my family's life. And for that I say, this ghetto tracker, because of the way I was raised and the people I was raised around, is specifically to keep you away from people who are shabby and poor and disgusting no. because they can't be trusted. They can't be trusted. They want to do bad things to you, and they hate you. No. They hate you because well, you're you know not what? like that's them. That's and that's, 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 that's the way I'm assuming you're from Los Angeles. 
You're not going to sit there and think, oh, I'm trying to avoid The line keeps breaking up. You've been in 300 Los Angeles. You mentioned South Central. I'm sorry. Hello? I had to mute almost everybody because everybody cannot talk at the same time as much as I'm sure we all want to. But um, I believe, Brown, you were something? saying something. I, I don't that? live in Los Angeles. I used to at, for one period of time. I'm originally from Louisiana. Where did, you, where did your folks live? Up the hill from South Central? What, New My, Park? We, we, lived in, we lived in West, West Hollywood. We lived in West Hollywood. We lived in Hollywood Hills. Like near the Beverly Center, we used to live in Hollywood Hills. Um, but when I grew up, I when I grew up, I moved to the Valley, and then I moved to um, to Santa Monica. But but that's not that's neither here nor there. My mother was wrong. My mother was raised in a small town in Natchez, Mississippi, and moved out and said, "I'm going to be better than them," and taught us that it was we were different than them. And that's all a lie, because when people stereotype us, they stereotype your, your me. Mo- your mother's, just your like mother's they Creole. Them. Your mother's Creole. Um. Well, <laughs> no, my mother's not Creole. Or just light-skinned it. A light-skinned it. I'm from Los Angeles. Um, I can, I'm relating to what you're can saying. I, I mean, that's, I'm not trying to give you. I'm not trying to question you. I'm just. I'm relating. I'm relating to what you're saying. No, you're tr- you're trying to you're trying to attribute a certain type of whiteness to this behavior. No, I'm not. You know what? Behavior. Let me stop. I, you know what I'm trying to well, understand. I, I do, I'm, I I'm do trying to understand what, what I was um, really trying to say. I thought that maybe you guys lived up in View Park or Winter Hills in that no, area, which is probably two miles away from South Central. But, no, no, that's not where. But, but, but you but know, she, we we are. Let me put this out there, Pam. Yeah, I'm sorry. Something? Let me put this out there. Um, I'm okay with you know if you're challenging a point or whatever, you're asking certain questions. But let's. And I'm not saying you cross the line, Brown, because I, I think you're okay. But uh, I just want us to be cautious and be careful when we start trying to uh, make things personal and to make it up to make a point. I mean, I, I get. I, I get that she brought up her own. Oh experience. gosh! Okay. Can I make a point? Can I make a point? I don't want to say that. Because, because, because I grew up in I grew up in Windsor Hills, and I hung out in South Central, and my mother I'm said the exact brown. same thing. I was not. All right. I was not so saying I mean, that you. I'm, I'm, I can, wait, 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 can we jump in? Okay. People are okay, forgetting a major point. Can I make a point? No, wait a minute. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, let me just make sure that I, I clarify something for Brown Beasley. I wasn't saying that you crossed the line. I just wanted to make sure I put that out there so anybody else who jumps in, I don't want them to cross the line. You understand? It wasn't it wasn't me right. reprimanding or anything like that. I'm fine. Okay. I'm so fine. Make sure that I want to make sure that's clear. Uh, but go no ahead. I believe uh, Doc Sin was going to say something. Yes. Um, I am from the hood. I grew up in the hood. I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey. And you can't get much more hood than that. And this ghetto tracker is pretty much, I, 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 I forgot her name just now, God darn it. But uh, she's pretty much on point. What this ghetto Camera. tracker is is basically avoid these streets so you won't get robbed. Avoid these streets so you don't get jacked. So avoid these people, avoid these neighborhoods because you don't want to be dealing with those people. That's really the attitude. It's really kind of classist kind of caste system BS that's put off as a, here's where, you know, it, it, it's, it's put out there as it's innocent enough, but in reality it's just basically, you know, here's the streets to stay off of so you ain't got to deal with a bunch of ghetto people, which is how it got the title Ghetto Tracker in the first place. Exactly. So, uh, it, well, why is that, why you know, is that necessarily a bad thing, though? I don't get that point. 
Why? It's because a bad here's the thing. thing. It's you a bad start, thing because I, not everybody from the ghetto is bad. But that's not. But that's not what I'm saying. Hold on. Let me let me finish what I was saying. Let me get to what I was saying. We no one is making the case that's actually a red herring that everyone that's in the hood is ghetto. That's not the point that's being made. You don't care about the exception to a rule. You care about what you are likely to encounter. And let's face it, when people are making decisions about what houses they're going to live in, they're thinking about safety because no one's going to spend a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars to hope pass a, under a certain level of certainty that your kids are going to be safe, that your housing prices are going to be sustainable, and that you're going to good schools. Let's be real. Like when you it's, – it's a class thing because it is what it is. People are going to buy the most expensive accommodations that they can afford with their money. That's just It just is what it is. You see what I'm saying? So to try to make it seem like these people are bad when you are upper middle class or wealthy, that you make it a deliberate attempt to avoid living in shoddy neighborhoods because you're making a essentially a political decision rather than an economic one, I think is misguided. No one's going to volunteer um, to live there and you making that kind of money. Um, I have another call on the line, I want, but I want to get M's opinion in, and then I'm going to um, go to the next caller. So, M, go ahead. Okay. Um, this is the way that I feel about the ghetto tracker, and I'm, I'm going to agree with Doxon here, that I feel that it is merely encouraging economic and um, racial separatism. Absolutely. My feeling on this is that there is okay. nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong. And let me finish here. There is nothing wrong with wanting to remain in a safe area. There is nothing wrong with even wanting to remain in a wealthy area. My issue is with an app that calls itself the ghetto tracker whose sole purpose is for you to avoid those areas. Because let's be honest here. Anyone over the age of 15 who's had, who's been hopefully been taught any street smarts knows exactly where the bad neighborhoods are. They know exactly where not to go or where they need to leave before the sun sets. You don't need an app for that. Oh, the app's purpose what? Is, is, it's, the app's purpose is to is to promote this classism. It's like giving a member of a, the KKK a nigger avoidance app. They know what right. a black person looks like. They don't need a nigger like avoidance that. app. Like that. <laughs> people look like. I'm going to hang on to that one. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, M, for that. I want to go ahead and get to our next caller, caller 773. Oh, no, just go ahead. I'm here. Oh, you pressed one. Yeah, I know. I mean, just leave me in the background. Okay. All right. Uh, so I do want to take a quick break. Thank you, everyone, for chiming in on the first segment of the show. We have Can I apologize to the lady, the lady that brought the boy home from South Central and her mother didn't like it? I, my mother told me the same thing when I brought the girl home from South Central. I can relate okay. to you. That's all. That's really where I'm coming from. I'm not speaking from any other position than that. Okay. And, and like I said before, we appreciate you, know, you, and I do appreciate you for calling in. No, everybody, no one likes to get their intentions misinterpreted, particularly me. I don't, I don't mess with them hood rats no more. Clarifying it. I left them hood rats alone 20 years ago. That. Thank you. Right, good. Thank nope. you. I, I, I appreciate you for clarifying that, and I'm sure Tammy appreciates it too. Um, but we're going to take a break because you guys are all heated, and I need to get some water. So <laughs> I'm going to go I ahead. I need more and, wine. Uh, you always need more wine, Tam. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I knew that was Tam. 
you know what, Tammy? I'm going to give you some box wine from my neighborhood drive-through liquor store. How about that? Oh. Oh. <laughs> He bought that life, that's all. So we'll take a quick break. Let's listen to some, uh, we're going to listen to Adequate, who's also a part of Grand Unified Theory, my family. Uh, shout out to them again. And uh, this is Think Before You Speak. So this is for uh, all of my humanist, atheist, free-thinking folk out there, all right? Here we go. Deoxyribonucleic acid, for example. Sounds impressive, right? You ever seen what happens when you put something in acid? It dissolves. If our bodies were full of that acid, we'd all dissolve. If we did, in fact, evolve from monkeys, how come babies aren't born monkeys? So you think that if no one believed in any religion, there'd be no wars or fighting? I think it'd be worse. I think it'd be way worse. I know if I didn't have God's judgment this year, I would have killed many, many times. It's not known whether uh, God created oil 6,000 years ago when he created the earth, or whether the coal deposits were developed during Noah's flood 4,000 years ago. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. What matters is that if you don't believe God created the earth 6,000 years ago, you're going to hell. The thing is, people can't think for themselves, and they get so confused about reality. Yo, so many illogical arguments get recycled in everyday conversations. We're vindicating the Bible, defending a superstition with no facts that's unreliable. No vital to your existence or any means to your survival. I tend to ignore these hypocrites, and I know when I'm being lied to. If you don't bring knowledge to the table, I'll easily despise you. So I cordially invite you to an open discussion. But use your brain before you decide to start your gum bumping. Most people say nothing, and most debates I trump them. The emotions get in the way when they're explaining something. They're always close to listen. Always itching and speaking You cut me off so I know you ain't listening to me Your ideas are faulty Your depictions are weak Quick to pull out scriptures like robbers that creep with the heat Outdated principles will easily suffer defeat You're not deep I suggest you think before you speak Yeah, you better think before you speak Cause you don't want to run into a rational person like me You don't want me to have you question everything you believe And change your whole perception how you view reality I'm brutally honest, but most say I'm mean You can't say that what you said, even with the time machine Remain inferior while I remain to least supreme And remember when you talk to me, to think before you speak, nigga For the arrogant douchebag that can't last Some minutes without shutting up, I don't hear the news flash Yelling and getting hysterical, won't get your views fast It's rational ideas, if you don't like that, then that's too bad It's too sad, you feel that it need to be instigated I conclude most people don't have the slightest clue Or what's the decent conversation, isn't that the point? Of the maidens will be at least given a chance to make a solid point in your statement. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, it doesn't hurt to listen. It could detect vital flaws in your opponent's position, but you're not paying attention. You're still running your mouth and sharing opinions on things you're nothing about. Talking in circles, that's why I'm not hearing you out. Digging yourself inside a grave, you would never get out. I know you're bitter, that's why you get angry and shout. So think twice the next time you open your mouth. Yeah, you better think before you speak, cause you don't want to run into Rational person like me You don't want me to have you question everything you believe And change your whole perception how you view reality I'm brutally honest but most say I mean You can take back what you said even with the time machine Remain inferior while I remain to least supreme And remember when you talk to me the day before you speak, nigga Nothing, there's definitely no God But the arrogance of a religious person who just knows Not only knows that there's a God but knows it's this God It's the Christian God It's the Trinity and the Virgin Mary was born of a virgin. I mean, they've got it all written down pat. And they've got absolutely not a shred of evidence for any of it. That's arrogant. 
All right, so you just heard Adequate. He's a part of our Grand Unified family. Um, so, again, like I said, big shout-out. Um, he actually, if you like the song you just heard, you can get it. This is one of the bonus tracks off of the physical copies of his album called And Listen, or the And Listen mixtape. You can copy his music on Bandcamp. I will post, he asked me to post that link, and I will post that link for him. Um it's uh, adequate.bandcamp.com, and if you want us to get any of his other music. So, um, again, that link's in the chat room. Shout out to him. So, the next topic. Um, we had, as you guys remember, over the past week or so, there have been a lot of conversations regarding the fast food workers um, and them asking for compensation. And I have an article from the Grio that I'm posting in the chat room right now. Um, that talks a little bit about that, or talks about it. Um, in, basically, it points out that in Labor Day, which was this past Monday, um, the, neighbor, the nation is witnessing a new movement to improve the living standards of fast food workers who are fighting for a livable wage to feed their families. Um, on August 29th, the day after the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington, fast food workers around the U.S. staged a walkout a walkout in hundreds of stores in 50 cities, their largest protest ever. This comes a month after a four-day wave of strikes in which workers in seven cities walked off the job, reflecting a trend in recent years of activity in the growing retail and service industry. With support from the Service Employees International Union, which is SEIU, these strikers are demanding $15 an hour, a raise from the current minimum wage of $7.25, and the right to Form unions without threats from the employer. The Obama administration has proposed a minimum wage hike to $9 an hour. For the labor unions, this recent campaign provides the opportunity to raise the floor for the lowest of wages in the nation. These low-paying jobs are replacing the higher-skilled, higher-paying positions lost with the decline in the manufacturing and the gutting of the American labor market. Moreover, the fast food strikes provide an opportunity to debunk the myth that the typical fast food worker is a teenager pursuing his or her first after-school job or an elderly person seeking some supplemental income. In an economy where the bottom has fallen out for millions of working Americans with stagnating wages and fewer well-paying job opportunities, the fast food industry has witnessed a rapid growth in adult workers who are attempting to raise families working in these part-time jobs with poverty wages. According to a study released in July by the National Employment Law Project, the average wage of, for frontline fast food workers is $8.94 per hour, among the lowest in the U.S. economy. Frontline jobs, including non-managerial positions such as cashiers, cooks, and delivery staff, account for 89.1% of the fast food industry, while first-line supervisors with a median hourly wage of 13.06 hold 8.7% of the jobs. And franchise owners make up, on average, 1% of fast food job holders, with there being a franchise owner for every 99 employees. Now, you have to continue to read the article. There's a lot more information and statistics in there, and I might pull from that during the discussion. But I want to know, what are your thoughts on these, on, on these strikes? Do you believe that $15 an hour is fair? Do you think it's too high? Do you think it's too low? Um, you I want to get your opinion. I have a call. Oh, wait, just for one second. I have caller 404. Back on the line, uh, call us 404-563. What, what was your name again, and what did you want to say? Uh, this is Mario again. Uh, can y'all hear me over the truck engine? What, yes. You said this is who? Mario. Mario? Mario? Oh, Mario. Yeah. Mario. yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, 
I, I mean, I did a lot of fast food um, in retail before I started driving the trucks, man. Fifteen dollars is wishful thinking at best. I mean, you, if you got above nine, eight, nine dollars, you were doing good. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get more than that. Much more than that from an un, for an unskilled for a low skilled job. You know, I mean, we get um, uh, training pay at my current company was fifteen dollars. That's pulling trip uh, just driving the semi. You're not a cashier is not going to get fifteen dollars an hour unless I don't see how you could. I mean, because then you have to raise the rates of that had to raise the prices of the food and all kinds of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. It's going to have a ripple effect across the board. The food, um, where the, well, uh, even the suppliers yeah. and everything like that. Do you no. think that could, they, or the franchise owners receiving? can get less of a huge profit? And um, sorry, but sometimes the audio kind of cuts out a little bit. I don't know what's going on. With yeah, that. in fact, if someone actually has their radio on in the background, could you please turn that off because it's giving us some feedback. So I'm hearing my own voice in the background of whoever is listening to it on their computer. So please turn it's that down. It's not me. It's not me either. Yeah, I'll I'll smoke that one in a second. But. <laughs> But um, go ahead. I mean, uh, I'm making a point. Vita, Vita, you know what? I, Tammy in Arkansas says, of course they deserve more. They're nice. They're attentive. They're they're really super smart. They're quick. They go out of their way to make your order right. Of course they deserve more. Tammy in California goes, welcome to Taco Bell. Can I have a Taco Supreme? No, no, okay? oh, no wow. I don't think it. You know you get that a lot in L.A., where you don't get that anywhere else in the country that I've been. They can't even understand what you're saying. And I'm like, at some point, you're getting yourself out of a job because if it's 15 bucks an hour, they're going to get the bright, young, cool people like I've gotten in Atlanta and not the people who can't speak English. You're going to lose your job. That's an interesting um, point. The way that I feel about it is that the way the current job market is set up, um, $15 is a lot for fast food labor simply because other laborers are not getting paid the same. And it's not that I feel that they don't work hard or that I'm looking down on it as unskilled labor. What I'm saying is I have come across a variety of manual um, workers or quote-unquote unskilled laborers who I feel deserve that $15 much, much more. Um, janitors at schools, for instance, deserve $15 an hour or more. Um, you know, there, janitors at school make 17 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. I at know Arkansas? one. No, in, in L.A. Unified School District. Exactly. But if you're in L.A., this is L.A. School District, or if you are a janitorial staff at a college, especially a public college, you should be getting paid more than that. And that's why I feel specifically that factual workers should not get that much. But if the minimum wage isn't enough to live on, it doesn't even matter how skilled they are or how good or bad their English is. A person who has a job, a, an honest legal job that cannot um, pay for even a, a, a squalorly, miserly existence in this country, that reflects badly on the country and on the economy I agree. and on the minimum wage. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I, kinda, I don't. I, mean, I don't I agree at all. Get, actually, well, um, I would just real quick. One, I the want to people go back have to introduce economics into it. 
Oh, okay, hold on really quickly, and I really want to get to your point, uh, Curtis, and I'm going to get to that point. But um, I wanted to uh, kind of go back to something Tammy was saying, because I, I wanted to make sure we clarify what you meant and what you said. So you were saying that um, if they raise the minimum wage, that will inc- that will decrease the number of people who uh, work there and don't speak English. I guess I had a little trouble understanding what your point that was. That is actually that. true. Well, the, this I just didn't thing. understand what her it's, point was. That's all. Well, this is uh, my point. My point is, is that those the guys at Taco Bell who cannot speak English, or the guys at McDonald's, and you you live in LA, so you know what I'm talking about. They're going to be out of a job. You know why? Because college students who just got out of school, who have a degree in art, and can't find a job, would love fifteen bucks an hour. So they're if they actually make, succeed, oh, if they actually succeed, they're going to be out of job. Why? Well, that's my next question. Why do we want there's a, to there's a reason why that is out of a job? Oh, well, I'm not, let me finish. This, I want to kind of this, this is why. I really want to vet out what she said. Why would we? Why are we saying we want people who don't speak English out of a job? I'm not sure. No, what I'm saying is, is that she, she they're hiring. The, this is what I'm. Let me let me be clear. People in asking. LA. To be clear, to this clarify is a, your point. Right. I think. I think, and the reason why I'm doing this, here is in, I don't. I just want to make sure that your point is clarified, and that way we. Can, I totally I, get I, it. I just, yeah. Go ahead. Tim. I live. I live. I live in Greenwood, Arkansas, and if you make eight dollars an hour in Greenwood, Arkansas, you can have an apartment and a car. A tank of gas will last you. You know, you have a studio apartment. But it's an apartment nonetheless, and a car might be not the best car, but it's a car and gas, a, gas, a tank of gas will last you a week. So you get people who need jobs, maybe single moms who work at McDonald's, Taco Bell, and at Sonic just to get her money in, and she's polite and happy and helpful. But in L.A., 8 bucks an hour, you're not going to get someone who can who even – can live alone. You're going to get someone who has to live with a group of people. A lot more illegal aliens take those jobs because that job in L.A. with gas, it's like paying to go to work. So what would happen if you then offered a living wage in California, 15 bucks an hour, you can have a roommate and live in a one-bedroom apartment, then you're going to have a different type of person who's out to get that job. Now, who are you going to give the job to? The person that is going to be the best person qualified or the person that will just take the job because no one else in L.A. can afford to live off of that wage? Exactly. She makes a good point. I mean, uh, if you're going to be paying $15, can I jump in hour, there? you're going to want someone young and hip and trendy or whatever. Do you think Do you think that if they have more to it than that. $15 an hour that – that this won't um, cause low-skilled uh, low work to all, all other low-skilled jobs to start also paying about that much, which may also increase the income of those who are skilled laborers? No, that's not what's going to happen at all. Um, okay. And economics. Like, I don't people, know. I'm not an economist. What people, here, here's like the I thing don't. with economics, and there's a sound economic base for why we haven't done it. What, there's a certain equilibrium point because this is human capital here. This is people don't like to people who haven't taken economics or don't understand economics don't like it said this way. But when someone hires an employee, they're high, they're essentially buying a unit of capital that's going to give them a return, right? 
just like any other good with supply and demand, there's a certain point to where the price of something is so high, demand will drop. Just like if I have Big Macs and say, for instance, the Big Mac was $2. For any arbitrary reason, I decide to raise the $10. There's going to be a corresponding drop in demand for Big Macs because people will either A, buy less of them and turn it into a luxury item, or they will try to find a cheaper alternative. With labor, people have to understand how wages are set in the first place. How do you know to pay a surgeon $300,000 a year? How do we know to pay an engineer seventy and so on and so on and so forth? The minimum wage should be higher because of inflation. It's below inflation. But once you set it up to $15 an hour, what you're going to do is now you're going to make that 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 particular job more competitive now, right? So it's going to demand a higher skill base because employers can be more discerning about who they hire because they're paying someone twice what they were paying before. Their payroll just doubled. So what they're going to do, like anything else, like the price of that Big Mac, is A, they're going to be the, the competition for the job is going to increase, right? There's, I'm not going to tolerate someone who don't speak English well because I don't have to. I'm hiring less people, and there's college students who need jobs, so I can keep them out of work. So, And, and keep in mind, too, you have a lot of people who ask for this $15 an hour who displacing students because the workforce technically starts at 16 and the unemployment rate for 16-year-olds on up to 21 is 40%. So if we do this, we're going to increase that number with the lower skilled tier of the people who had the job before, and you're permanently keeping teenagers out of a job. Because why would you hire a 16-year-old in high school for the same job that you can hire an art student? You wouldn't do that. Do you think that so $15 an hour was just there? Do you no, think please. that, but this is, my question, this is my next question. Do you think that $15 an hour was just a, a high asking number just just because, you know, chances are they're not going to get $15 an hour? It's too high. If, well, if, you made $15, if you made $15 an hour here in Greenwood, Arkansas, you would be one of the higher paid people in Greenwood, Arkansas. It would be ridiculous. 11 is where it should be at. 11 is, I think 11 is a good number, adjusting for inflation for when the minimum wage. And keep in mind, here's another statistic. America has the third highest minimum wage when adjusting for purchasing power parity in the world. So let's keep that in mind. It's not necessarily about the wage you get. It's about what you can buy with the money that you earn. And that's one of the things that people don't take into account. Right now, the minimum wage is too low. But if you pay somebody a living wage, you're disincentivizing the conveyor belt of labor, right? The whole idea is that people move on and they get progressed, and that's how you get social economic mobility. True, well, we want to improve I, people's okay, lives where they are, but you don't want to disincentivize uh, someone. You do not want to encourage a 45-year-old person as a fry cook at McDonald's raising a family of three. You don't uh, want to incentivize that. Can I please? Go ahead. Because... We've had this conversation. I believe I've had this conversation with Curtis on your page, Vita. And first okay. let me say that I never thought in my lifetime we would be having a conversation about whether or not we should pay people a living wage. That, that to me, is insane. We're throwing well, out a lot of hypothetical $15 numbers. $15 an hour is actually above a living wage. Yes, let, it is. Yeah, uh, Yes, exactly. Let me just say this. Let, let me get you, this out here because we're throwing around a lot of numbers. The reality is, number one, in 10 years, the, the price of gas has tripled in over 10 years. The price of food has doubled. 
exactly. of corporate salaries but are you have increased 700% over the past 20 years. 700%. No one talks about how the uh, uh, increasing corporate salaries are going to affect capital and overall production and supply and demand. They can raise it at the top end when you should be raising it at the bottom end. If we were to, if the minimum wage is what it should be now, it would be somewhere in the neighborhood of $16, $17 an hour. People cannot, we, we want to deal with, talk about these jobs are for kids or for old people. The reality of it is there are, unemployment is at 7.4%. Unemployment in the black community is nearly 30%. 25% of black people yeah, uh, who have been out of work have been out of work for 99 weeks or longer, regardless of who should be having companies those jobs. Companies are The reality of it is the people who have those jobs are the people who need them, people with families, people with children. Let's fix employment so that the way these 29-year-olds 
don't have to work in fast food, and we can go ahead and give these give yeah, these jobs back to youth, back to college students. Uh, I, I mean, that's, I, I just want to know. I mean, is that a long term solution? Let's give let's increase the way. And I'm not making a I'm not making a, a a claim either way. I'm really sincerely asking this and throwing this out there. Is the long term solution to uh, increase the wage? I mean, I'm not saying that a living wage isn't good because I really believe all workers working a full time job should definitely get a living wage. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. However, I do question a long term solution if we're talking about jobs that did that were once held by young people and were at you know college students, uh, high school students, or whatever. And now they now one a lot of them don't have jobs. Let's keep in mind that too. It's not that they want to work at Starbucks. They're not getting jobs. I know plenty of teenagers who would who definitely would love to and would and need to work. And a lot of them are out of jobs. Especially black youth are out of jobs, um, which people people say contributes to the to crime in many areas. Um, so so is a long term solution to compensate workers uh, at this stage, or is a long term solution to try to get more jobs and fix the economy so that way twenty nine year olds or twenty five year olds or somebody fresh out of college can actually have a job. That's the question. I think, I think it's both myself. You know, personally, as a, as a person who I, I did food delivery, um, I do food, food delivery, and I see the itemized uh, uh, receipt that these restaurants have to take in for everything that I'm, bring, I'm bringing to their restaurant. Mm-hmm. If you raise the, the one of the last things that they care about is the employee, because you raise the cost of having to pay the employee. Now, um, you're coming away from um, your, your uh, um, from the profits and the bottom line and stuff like that. You still have to pay me for bringing this. You have, the company needs to pay the diesel, pay, pay the diesel uh, uh, company for bringing diesel maintenance and everything like that. It's not just paying the employee. It's what else is going to come from all that as well. What are you taking from? What can you what, what can you reduce and what can you Nobody, this company here is not going to reduce their prices so you can compensate your employee more. So um, I, I, I would, I would if you're also, let me apologize. Can I say something? I want to apologize first of all for raising my voice. But it is something, I'm, this is something I'm very passionate about. And it's something see. that I've talked about at length. It's one of the reasons why we saw in 2012 conservatives and other people rally against unions and seek to break up unions and all these right-to-work states came uh, come, uh, come open. If I can really just spin a story really quick, this is an actual story about an actual individual, a man named Gary Wilkins. He drove a truck for 20 years for the Greensboro News and Record and here in Greensboro, North Carolina. He was a truck boy. He went from a truck driver to managing the dock. It was a skilled job. The man made well over $60,000 a year. Well, one day the News and Record decided his job didn't exist anymore, so he didn't have a job anymore. Now that man was 55 and unemployed. Now, he couldn't go out and compete with the young drivers because he was too old, and, but he still had a house and a car and a kid in college. So he ended up having to go and pay, uh, pick up a couple of fast food jobs in order to make ends meet. Well, he didn't make ends meet, and he ended up having his home foreclosed upon. This is the reality that we live in America. We can say what we want. We can come up with all the statistics that we want. But the reality of it is the one statistic that we should be paying attention to is that one in three Americans live at or below the poverty level, and that is because um, the American worker is paid too little, and that's across the board. I don't care what you're doing. If you're doing it in America, you're not making enough money for it. Meanwhile, yeah. wages have skyrocketed 700%. They'll give $30 million a year to one person, but can't give $15 a year an hour to a handful of people because of cost? 
That's nonsense. You know what? I have to, I, I have I, to agree I, with you I, because I'm very conservative about certain things. why they can't is because they the only reason why they can't is because they don't want to dip into their profits. Exactly. And that's that's my whole that's my whole point. Is uh and if I cut anybody off I'm sorry because the audio goes and comes and whatnot, so I apologize for that. But um exactly, you know, um, they're not gonna cut they're not gonna cut that. You know, when you y'all are oversimplifying a complicated thing. No, we're not, man. Because the simply uh, simply bringing the goods to the restaurant can cost the bill alone. I delivered twelve thousand dollars to a taxi. You know, that's including having to pay. I'm sorry, guys. Guys, we are out of time. We're out of time. Sorry, everybody. I know I tried to. Whew, try to get all you guys in, but we're out of time. And uh, thank you. <laughs> I feel awful just cutting off the discussion, and I can't. Re- I don't really have time tonight to go into overtime, but I do want to thank everyone. Uh, is everyone okay on the line? Nobody yeah, hits that me. Oh, I had yeah. to cut it off. Yeah, we we definitely do a part two to this. Um, but I do want to thank everyone who has called in. Um, I, I appreciate every single one of you, but a special thanks to M- Emmeline and Doc for being on the panel and helping me out with the show. Uh, special thanks to Kim for this opportunity, Black Free Thinkers. I also want to give a special thanks to Grand Unified Theory Collective and Black Skeptics LA, my organization. And uh, for those of you guys who are not too familiar with uh, Black Free Thinkers, I'm going to go ahead and let M plug her next show real quick. You want to give us? A quick Yay. plug for On the show. On next Friday, Mario and I will be on air at our new time, Friday, 6 p.m. That's 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that is next Friday, and we will be discussing Lesser Known Religions Part 2. We had a Part 1 to the show um, exactly, well, not exactly, but um, about. Uh, three, four weeks ago, and it went very, very well. But apparently there were m- many more, um, you know, not very well-known religions, much more than we could fit in a two-hour time span. So we're doing part two of that next Friday. And in three weeks, um, we will be doing an interview with a lucky atheist who is active in the community. So please tune in Friday. That's Friday of next week, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. West Coast people, just get out of work early, tell your boss you're sick, do whatever you need to do. <laughs> or listen to it at work. Um, thank you so much, Em. Uh, I, again, I want to thank everyone who called in onto the show. Uh, I got Tammy, Mario, Curtis, Brown Beasley, uh, Frederick. I forget everybody who called B, Akia. Thank you all. Yeah, he called in earlier. Um, oh, so my God, I, I thank- missed him. You missed <laughs> Frederick, yes. Frederick Sparks, he's. My heart, love him. Uh, so thank you, everyone. Thank you to everyone in the chat room. I appreciate every single one in the chat room. I love the discussion that was taking place, and I appreciate you guys for doing that. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, Vida Star, V-I-D-A-S-T-A-R-R. I can be controversial. I can just talk a lot of shit. Just go ahead and follow me. I'm also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Vita Star. I appreciate you all. Love you. Uh, I want to play one more song from my Grand Unified uh, camp. 
Um, this is from GA. It's called Johnny Five. So, again, thank you and good night. Good night. Hello, world. My name is GA. I'm a junkie. Self-control, I lack. I'm hooked. Been conditioned from first contact. And no one applauds. Please, y'all, hold that. I ain't here to get clean. To probably whack. Actually, I need to know. Who here got a pack? Mail it to me in a tough package. So it arrives in fact. No, shaving my game. Nah, screw that. I'm actually quite proud that I free facts. I need more. 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 Information. I'm a junkie. Oh, I need more. More, I need more. Calculus class, I'm starting to twist. These differential equations are making me itch. Without it, my mind hurts. I'm mad. Kick cups, world class jerk. Outside, Dr. Tyson's off a of toddler. More, 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 more. Information, I'm a junkie. More, I need more. I need more info on how that laser at it works. It's been too long without a hit. My attitude's terse. I need a shot. That need these particles that travel in reverse. Yeah, that is by the thing that's the worst. I need more. 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 Information. I'm a junkie. Oh, I need more. More. I need more info to continue to stack words. Are there alternate universes with time travel backwards? It's one of the things I try to decipher, encipher, incite a ride inside your mind. What I'm for more, 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 more information. I'm a junkie. Oh, I need more, more. I need more mass time, speed of light to the second power. Without that, humanity needs to find power. I need more of this nectar, making my blood sing. The constituents to everything, just maybe a string. More, 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 more. Information, I'm a junkie, whore. I need more, more. I need more reasons to refrain from punching politicians. I need more tactics to try to get these people to listen. I need more data on how the sun works when trying to be iron, watching the box and starburst. I need more, 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 more information. I'm a junkie. Oh, I need more, more. I need more empirical evidence of your claims. Religion and science are not the same. Inhaling data, let it dance on my brain. I'm mesmerized by knowledge like a moth to a flame. I need more, 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 more information. I'm a junkie, oh, I need more. I need more information on the hit field. Is it the EA League who perfecting all quantum fields? Discovered the bosons, does that line make sense still? I'm spitting, trying to increase my physical skills. I need more, more. More, more, more information. I'm a junkie. Oh, I need more. more. I need more information. I gotta stay on course. More research funding. Let's study the strong force. I need more people without knowledge fear. Yo, I wanna build a Dyson sphere. I need more, 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 more information. I'm a junkie. Oh, I need more. Somebody help. I need more information on how this principle is it true energy burst affecting my whole crew? The charge never settle. Electrons jump at energy level simply for me. Setting fire to metal. I need more, 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 more information. I'm a junkie. Oh, I need more. I 
need more logical, rational discourse. More atheists, that's reasonable. Of course, no more doubling down on your viewpoints, boy. So we're continuing down this path of catching the loss. I need more from you. More, 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 more. Information. I'm a junkie, boy. I need more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.